Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Banter Pub FC podcast, the sauciest team in the game and the spiciest takes on the pitch. In the pub today, we have Ama, we have Joseph, we have Franca, and finally we have me, Neil. Today we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff. We kind of switched up things with our segments, so we look forward to that, but the big thing today is we are introducing, we are bringing back our support our support your local and we're going to be talking we have a very special interview to look forward to right in the meat of our podcast obviously we're going to have entanglement we're going to be talking about you know this wouldn't be the banter pub fc if we didn't talk about racism and we're going to talk about it racism and xenophobia this week once again because that because it wouldn't be the beautiful game without a little bit of racism or a lot of it so let's get started so let's kick the ball around the pitch a little bit and uh, we have a few things to talk about this week. Uh, we have, uh, so, um, Ama and Joseph. <laughs> uh, obviously, you know, you know, obviously I think we all can talk about, Fra- Franka, you too. Um, you know, obviously we saw um, Liverpool, you know, the, the big match in the Prem this weekend was Liverpool and Arsenal at Anfield. Um, and obviously, I think there was this expectation that uh, Arsenal would show up, and they did. Um, I don't think, and Joseph Rama, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think you know the the strongest team was put out for for Arsenal supporters' liking. Um, and there was a little bit of discombobulation, a little bit, and that showed up in the result. Obviously, I think everyone who was not a Liverpool supporter wanted. Uh, Liverpool to uh, lose this match. Um, obviously, that wasn't the end result. Uh, Liverpool ended up winning three one. But yeah, um, yeah, I, I think it was a you know I'm I'm sure both uh, I'm sure everyone is going to say it was a miscarriage of justice um, uh, because oh that was bad. Um, uh, I, you know. Um, I'm 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 curious how everyone else feels about it because I do. Oh. Yeah, um, I'll... yeah, Alma. I think you should go first because a man <laughs> okay. has a man has grievances. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll go with the obvious, um, the obvious section, and I'll let you. I'll let you clean up with the insightful piece. My, the obvious piece is that, like, obviously, Liverpool and Arsenal are in two different classes in the Premier League, right? The, re- the only reason that folks expected any really different result than this is because of how, how much Mikel Arteta has pulled out of this squad of players. We do have talent, um, but we cannot say that we're in the same class as Liverpool. So my expectation, my hope was that we'd, you know, sneak a, a 2-1 or my rational expectation was a 2-2 tie. I mean, we're away at Anfield, um, and the way the match played out, you could tell the golfing class between the two clubs, but it wasn't as bad as I expected. And in fact, we did get a cheeky goal you to go ahead. Um, and, you know, overall, I was like, yeah, okay, this might be the 
right time to take this expected L um, because the transfer market's still open, the transfer window's open, and maybe this will be the impetus to open up the, the pocketbooks to, to allow the Arsenal to sign a couple more players, especially in midfield, um, so that we can actually make a real run in this league, right? And challenge the challenge everyone. Um, that said, I mean, you know, you, you've teased a couple, you know, there were some weird incidents in the match that I'm sure would have changed the complexion of the, the game and the result, especially the, the Mane thing early uh, and the Diego Jota incident. But I'll let, I'll let uh, Joseph talk a little bit more about what went on in this match and why, the, why it showed up this way. Thank you, Brethren. Um, uh, thank you to the right honourable gentleman uh, for giving uh, me space to talk about what was honestly an expected outcome. I did expect us to lose to Liverpool. Um, and when we put the team that we put out, it kind of all really fell into place. But I don't blame Arsenal for that. I have to consider a couple of things first. Number one, Arteta's got to do more rotation than usual. We are in a global pandemic. We also just played West Ham, who tested positive last week, some of whom may have been quarantined um, just for precautionary reasons, which is something that I think is very responsible. Arteta himself just recovered from the virus a few months ago. Once again, it's just, you know, I, I don't blame the decision factors around this. Also, um, it says a lot about Arteta to start some of the people that he did against Liverpool, thinking, you know, let's go ahead and you can get, you know, you can cut your teeth against who is inarguably, unfortunately, the best side in the Premier League right now. I mean, they just are. Um, they're not hitting the heights of, say, last season when they hit the ground running, but they're still the ones to beat. They're still the defending champions, and you do have to give them respect for that. I don't want it to come off as completely sour grapes. I thought Robertson in particular bounced back immensely when he gave away the goal that we scored, only for him to finish off the goal that Liverpool created minutes later. Says a lot. Um, it says a lot about this Klopp side. Um, perhaps Jurgen Klopp is very serious about not doing the usual thing that he did at Dortmund, where he would storm the league one season and then completely spunk it up the wall the next. Like, I think he's trying to bury a lot of ghosts. He buried his Champions League ghost. He's buried his Premier League ghost. He's now trying to bury his defending champion ghost. So, like, and if anybody can get it done, it's Klopp. So I will give the Liverpool contingent um, as annoying as a shite as all of you are, I will give you your credit. I will give you your things. I will give you your due. Now, here is the thing about Lacazette. That man is trying. God knows he's trying. Man actually had himself modeling um, his, his entire aesthetic off of Thierry Henry. That should show you he's trying. You understand? Like, but you've got to finish those chances, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta finish those. You gotta finish your dinner, brethren. That was on a plate for you. That was a well-worked move too. It probably would have changed the face of the match. It would have made it just a touch closer. Do you know what I mean? Um, I really feel like um, the finishing has got to be a lot more cutting edge in that department. If that's the case, if we're starting lacquer, I mean, Eddie looked looked really good when he came off the bench. If we're starting people, I mean, why not give him a shot? He seems to be up for it, you know. But Missed opportunities all round. I think Liverpool Liverpool did what they needed to do. 
Arsenal can take positives away from that loss. Uh, we just need to apply it with the next match because we've got City in a fortnight. So we have to buck our ideas up and we need to make sure that we're on, we're in the winning column and get the three points next week. Um, and that's pretty much my major takeaways. Um, also, um, shout out to Bellerin just cause. No reason, really. Hey, boo. That's it. That's all I've got. <laughs> we, can, we can always shout out the collective uh, bay um, who belongs to all of us. So I like that. I like that. Hey, boo. Um, <laughs> I'm here today um, to talk about one thing, and that is injustice. Um, to show you how not biased I am, I'm going to start by talking about United. Um, because this is very related to my, to my rant today, which is a Chelsea rant. Uh, surprise, surprise. I, I tweeted about this. The Chelsea West Brom game left me really, really, um, just angry, angry. And that day United had played and I've, I've waxed poetic about this and I've written about it. Um, sometimes a, a draw, a tie can feel it's magical, right? Because it can feel like a win or it can feel like a loss, depending on the context of the game, right? You can like be left feeling like, damn, we like you feel like you lost or you feel like you won. Um, I have never had a win feel like a loss before. I don't know if that, ha that has happened to any of you. That's how I felt with United. Um, we won. It was awesome. And it was controversial. There was that, that penalty call, um, after the final whistle. Now here, here's what I'm going to say about that. I get it. We have tons of haters. That's what happens when you're a big club. Yes. To an extent, right? How, how is it our fault that refs and VAR make terrible calls. Do I agree with having a penalty be called after the final whistle? After, absolutely not. But I have a feeling that all of the haters, and Neil, please jump in here, all of the haters, if it were their team that it happened to, they would not be jumping up like they do with United. And we get called, you know, Penchester or whatever. And it's like, how can we help it that it's the refs and VAR that do this? I mean, like, That's sorry, not sorry. I mean, it's not even just the refs and VAR. I mean, they've been talking. I mean, uh, the morning shows spent a good amount of time. All the pundits pretty much share their opinion. That was all unilaterally the same, at, particularly after the United uh, Brighton and Hove Albion match. That the uh, that you that the pen or that that the handball rule needs to change. Right. Um, there have been several games, even in the first two and a half weeks of the season um, that have been affected by the new handball rule. There were games last season that were significantly affected by the handball rule. Many of them were put in favor of uh, two, uh, you know, were arguable um, in, in United's favor as well last season. And I think um, as someone who obviously, um, you know, watch that game at length. Um, the argument could be made, well, we didn't deserve the penalty after the, after the final whistle had blown. Um, and 
Mm. I think extra time was what it was. Uh, Fergie time for those uh, keeping score at home. And uh, it proved positive uh, for United once again. Uh, and there's and there is so much that needs to change uh, overall with VAR, not just in the Prem, but also in other leagues too, because VAR as a system is only as good as the person controlling it on the other end. Precisely. Um, it's still and, humans. And at the end of the day, like, you know, I mean, and you and you spoke about it earlier. I mean, the the other match, the, the you know, one, you know, one of the other big matches that wasn't Liverpool Arsenal was or it, it wasn't a big match in that uh, the team's playing because both uh, you know because you know Chelsea came into the West Brom match I think um, as the favorites and they were knocked down several pegs in that first half um, and you know I think knocking down Chelsea several pegs is something that I think everyone who was in the pub this week probably wants to do on a consistent basis. <laughs> oh yeah. I've got I've got tons I've got tons in the clip yeah, for that. We, yeah, yeah, we've we've definitely got loads in the clip for that. I do want everybody though to kind of bear in mind something that that is actually true. So um somebody an old friend of mine back in the UK, shout out to Gavi, he is a Man United supporter. We were discussing that VAR ruling. Now I've said from the very beginning, if you have beef with VAR, what you actually have is beef with the bad rules on the books because that's all any of the officials on the pitch or off it can make a determination on. If you don't mm-hmm. like the call, chances are the rule is fucking awful. So um, what we established was this. An ex-Premier League referee was asked about that call because of the vague, na- because of the vague nature of that ruling. That is technically within the laws of the game. Even though the final whistle had blown, what the first official should not have done was blown the final whistle, especially if he can hear chatter from VAR saying we're actually looking at it. Um, He should have held off. If you wanted to blow a whistle to stop play, that's another thing, and you can add that on for stoppages. That would have been a much better way to do that because, again, you can do that. Stoppage time is determined literally by how many times you stopped in a match and they add that excess at the end of each half to make up for the time you've lost when you've had to stop play. So really, that penalty is within the laws of the game. But the laws of the game suck. So that's the reason why it happened. And that's the reason why it's leaving a bitter taste in everybody's mouth. Do I feel Brighton are a tad bit hard done by? Yeah, they played a really good match, to be fairly honest with you. They gave it to Man United that day. They really brought them the takes. And you can tell yeah. in Bruno Fernandez that you can tell in Bruno Fernandez's um, celebration, he was keeping it humble. He wasn't that excited about scoring that penalty, and he knew. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean just yeah, like, he knew what was coming. The other thing is that listen, we talk a lot about all cops are bastards, and refs are cops, right? All refs are bastards. So if you have a problem, take it up with the refs and stop coming for my team. All right. And speaking of penalties. I need to talk about this. I need, well, I need, oh, I need to, sorry. I, this is so important though. I have to talk about Chelsea real quick. Um, and this is injustice, right? This was, uh, this was my whole thing was injustice this week. Um, Chelsea West Brom, the first half of that match, I was so happy, right? I mean, and then it was 26 minutes of pure glory. Gorgeous oh, for all of face. us. Oh, for all oh. of us, and here oh. and here's my point. I'll make it brief. Um, 
here's where you see and here's where you see blatantly how capitalism has ruined the sport. Okay, because take these two teams, newly promoted West Brom comes out. They give Chelsea a a ginormous billionaire club, just a, a run for their money. Like they come in, they give them all the smoke. Right. And then what you see is the disparity, the injustice and the lack of resources that a team like West Brom has. They don't have depth. And they don't have stamina, right? You get tired. You can't play against a Titan team like West Brom did in the first half for an entire game. You just can't unless you have the resources, which they don't. And so while Chelsea is, you know, I'm talking about injustice in the systemic way, not that Chelsea's goals were unfair, like, you know, like we may discuss with United, but you see the systemic injustice in that a team like West Brom can never play for 90 minutes against a team like Chelsea that has super subs and million dollar signings and keep up that play. So they're always going to be at least tied. Thank God it didn't go, go, go you know, one more. But like, that's what kills me is the injustice. When a big team plays a small team, they start out like just giving them all the smoke and then they can't they they can't finish and that real that game broke my heart like after the united debacle and i just i couldn't let that go <laughs> couldn't let that go on set someone please jump in well yeah i mean for me uh so to your point franco like the uh chelsea had the opportunity um oh well, i'm sorry let me take that back west brom it looked like they were going to close that game in the first half out. Um, and they didn't. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think it is a lack of resources, but also to Chelsea's discredit. And I think it's going to hurt them throughout the entire season. They have a ton of personalities on that team. A lot of which have never played with each other on a consistent rolling basis. I mean, even last season, you had a new manager with a team that didn't really know what he was doing um, and still doesn't, frankly. And now he has so many different personalities, so many different you know, languages spoken in the locker room. And he put the captain's armband on his brand new center back in Tiago Silva, expecting him to do amazing things. And what did Tiago do as soon as he put the armband on? He made a mistake that cost uh, Chelsea an early goal, right? Yeah, you, you felt it. That, that's, uh, that was the number one most questionable thing when I saw the lineup. I was just like, what? He's captain already? He doesn't even know these guys. Has he even trained with them? Like, and I don't know if you guys recall, like he used to captain Brazil. Yep, that's true. Yep. And, and he folded. Um, so, yeah, I... I Thiago Silva is an excellent footballer, but he wasn't ready for what, what West Brom was bringing. And, um, yeah, shout out to them. And I got to shout out the legend Kyle Bartley for getting <laughs> one in against Chelsea, ex-Arsenal man. Yep. Big time, big time, Brayton. Speaking of injustices and penalties, yes, though, real quick. we got to. We, uh, listen, uh, from a, <laughs> I, I was personally a I have PTSD, okay? I am traumatized <laughs> by the amount of times that Gonzalo Higuain has cost Argentina fucking finals by skying those fucking... Where did he learn? Where did he learn to take penalties? Because it wasn't fucking at wherever 
a fucking world-class player should be learning how to take penalties. The man has, uh, uh, he, he, he has, has uh, uh, he hasn't been world-class for a while. <laughs> no, but I mean, but I mean, he, he's getting paid world-class, world-class money. Right. And he's he being really treated is. like a star, to, you he know, really. he's brought here as like a world superstar. He has a deficiency. He has some sort of problem and he cannot take a penalty. And that skied penalty, I swear to God, gave me i needed a trigger warning for it and i hate philly i hate philly but, th- but i i was rooting for that fight when they came for him after that um <laughs> yeah, oh, hey, listen yeah. i think that's a that's the perfect segue in for me uh, uh madam supreme because at the end of the day let me tell you something about these men out here from philly you understand yeah there's there's an energy that is consistent between the fan base, the players, and the staff of the team that said fan base supports. They will move to you when you fuck up. They will move to you when they win. They will move to you in ways that there's a reason why they sing a song saying, We're from Philly, we're from Philly. You they don't like us, we don't care. <laughs> there's a reason why the way that look. When my man no, jumped, no one likes us. We don't care. Yeah. You, no one likes us. We don't care. You understand? Shout out to Philly, man. God damn, I love to see. Like at the end of the day, it's just like the energy that the union players moved to Gonzalo with reminded me explicitly of Martin Keown, Ashley Cole, um, and a few other Arsenal men there when Ruud van Nistelrooy missed his penalty. That's the kind of energy that they Ooh. were bringing. And I am 100% in endorsement for that. Like, that was beautiful. <laughs> the, the, thing that, the thing that killed me, though, was the run-up that Gonzalo was oh, doing. Yeah. The, the, my man was doing the starter steps. Like, he was being like, yep, I'm really, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And he sent that shit all the way back to Sicily. Blood? Never again. If into Miami are listening to this by some Yo, virtue of a miracle, mm-hmm. you've got to choose someone else to do your penalties, not Gonzalo. And seriously, seriously, like the man needs to retire. Like, he, how is he not embarrassed? How is he not embarrassed? Like, I cannot. <laughs> Frank, did you see his reaction? Do you see the peak Italian just come out when he was? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's totally, totally. I mean, just. I, I can't and I get secondhand embarrassment as someone who is associated with any Argentinian or Uruguayan player immediately. I'm like, I do not claim him. I do not own him. I've never liked the man. I have been personally attacked and 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 and, and he's committed hate crimes against me personally. I hated them. So um just no. I, I also mm-mm. really quick to all of you men out there talking about, oh yeah, MLS is a farmers club. I mean Chelsea just bought a 36-year-old defender. As Tommy Smith pointed out so eloquently, doesn't that make you the retirement league fam? Because Higuain is 32 and he's still got, for some reason, a lot left in the tank than your boy Thiago Silva. I'm just saying, maybe be humble. Plus, it's Chelsea. Like, (laughs) please, relax. Anything coming from you, man, when you're out here looking like bootleg Crystal Palace in your little, you know... Your little new away shirts that Nike made for you. Aw, cute. Don't come for the MLS unless we send for you. That's very much. Another club that got sent for unexpectedly was Bayern Munich. Uh, They got handled. Uh, I mean, like, it wasn't a close match, 
it was a whooping um, in the Bundesliga this weekend. I know, I know folks were watching different matches at different times, but if you missed Hoffenheim Bayern, uh, you, <laughs> you missed a good one because the match was, um, it was kind of like, I think, I think Bayern was on this ridiculous run of wins and they, they got destroyed. It, 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 you know, and uh, a few people will say, well, yeah, we're going to, you know, you know, they, they didn't have uh, what's his name, Lewandowski starting or whatever, I'm like, fine. But you, I mean, like, do we need to go through their, their, their uh, lineup? They had quality up and down the pitch, man. And yet somehow it went, it went crazy. It went, it went all upside down for, for Bayern. And, and I, you know, I love these moments in football. This is why you watch sports. Um, because we have these unexpected results and these performances where the little guy steps up and hits Goliath in the mouth. And, and that's what happened. I don't but know. It's not, and, 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 you know, Ama, it's not just hitting Goliath in the mouth. It's, you know, Bayern just won. Bayern just won the treble, the German treble. Well, the well, the world. The I mean, the 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 uh, Europe. I mean, they won the the league. They won the um. They won their cup. They yep, won the, the Deutsche the, Pokal, and, and they then, won the Champions League. They've then, done then, a proper treble. Like they've and, done it. They've done a continental treble. They've done it. And there, <laughs> we and we said this when the Champions League was over that Bayern were only going to get better. There was a rumor that Kai Havertz was going to go, was going to leave from Bayer Leverkusen to go to Bayern. That obviously didn't happen. He made the fatal mistake and went to Chelsea. Um, but even still, they signed Sané. They um, are r- rumored to be signing other players as of this recording. Like, you know, yes, they lost Thiago, right? But their threats on the wing alone, not even discounting the middle, right? You know, they, you know, they converted a, a right back in Joshua, in, uh, Joshua Kimmich into a certified midfielder. Yes, he plays both positions, but now he's just a certified midfielder, right? They converted so many players, and they got dismantled by Hoffenheim, who were... Mid-table to bottom half of the table last year. Yes, the pandemic ruined football, ruined all sports. Get all that. But at the end of the day, like, (laughs) it was just all over the place. And, you know, switching gears and talking about um, from a team I don't like to a team I actually support (laughs) in in another league, um, a major player... Uh, Franca made a big switch uh, yes. uh, from uh, Barca to uh, the wonderful, <laughs> the wonderful Atleti. Atleti. Atleti, Atleti. Yeah. Listen, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, this was literally you couldn't have written a more accurate um, situation here. OK, let's this is like textbook. Um, just what. It was it's what was going to happen. Like revenge Suarez is not fucking around. Right. Um, Here's the thing. Toxic workplaces and toxic environments 
really affect one's performance, right? Oh, yeah. And that applies to football as well. Clearly, Barcelona, my team from birth, okay, let's, you know, not forget that, is going through a, a, a toxic period. It's We've seen the soap opera. We've seen the drama, right? Um, Luis Suarez was not allowed to thrive there. And the second he gets free, we see him immediately just answer and he's back to his old self. So for whatever you can say about him, the fact that that's how he jumped out for for El Cholo, and I'm sure him and El Cholo already are bonding and they're already drinking mate and all that good stuff. Like if one thing can be said here, it's that a toxic environment will fuck with your head. And there's the proof, right? He had been being stifled for months now and getting out of that toxic environment lit a new flame in him. So I, I, I actually, as a, as a proper um, hater of Real Madrid, the fascists, um, I sympathize also with Atleti. I like El Cholo. They're also like a mini Uruguay. They always, always, always have Uruguayans. Um, and so I want to see him thrive. I'm happy. I'm, this is good for the Uruguayan national team. Um, and, and I'm all for it. So I let, uh, so I will put Leti as well for this, for this one reason. What, for the one, re- I mean, I guess, you know, we'll take it. <laughs> um, I, and as someone who, because I'm of two minds, right? Because I see Luis Suarez in a Jersey for a team that I support in La Liga. And he used to play for a team that I can't, that I, abhor in the prem not only did he play for that team but he also didn't shake ever's hand um so it's it's incredibly tough for me to celebrate and be happy yes he's going to get the team points yes he's going to perform well in europe yes he's going to have us challenging for the title and by us i mean atleti right i've been a atleti fan for as long as i've been to manchester united fan and as long as i've been a dc united supporter and yes it is a little uh uruguay as franca said and (laughs) i really want to see uh you know some change happen and and in some places where we are seeing some positive change happen is in the national women's soccer league joseph and we're seeing that happen uh particularly with the OL rain, um, we're seeing that specifically happen with uh, the debut of uh, Madison Hammond, who is the first native player to ever play in the, in the NWSL, which That's right. you know, is That's shocking right. of itself. You know, how, you know how excited I get when um when the girls make history. You know how excited I get. I just like I'm just like I'm like I can feel it coursing through my veins, standing mode. First of all, that was an awesome match uh, between um <clears throat> uh, the rain and uh, is that the Royals? Was it the Utah Royals thing they were playing that day? If I'm not mistaken. I'll double check that. But anyway, Madison Hammond, Navajo Nation, Pueblo Nation. You understand? Imagine in big, big 2020, in the middle of a global pandemic, the first indigenous, first nation, Native American player makes their debut in a football league. Like, don't get me wrong. Amazing. The history is absolutely 
100% worthy of celebration, but it's also a reminder of just how white this fucking country is. You understand? Yeah. It, like in terms, of, um, in terms of doing firsts, anything past 1900 firsts after you genocided, well, not just you know, Native Americans, but also you know, black, uh, black people as well. Black Americans, but also the same the, the the latter built this nation for free, and the only time that we're making history is in what 1960, 1970, 1980s, 1990s, the, the early noughts, and now a big, big new decade in 2020. Madison should have been made her debut. That's just on facts. Mm-hmm. There should have been she should have been following somebody's trail that they blazed already. You understand? It's embarrassing. That's really. That should give everybody pause. So please celebrate her achievement. I certainly will be. Madison, if by some virtue of a miracle, somebody puts you onto this, babes, we are with you. Congratulations. Please keep killing the game out here. We have all eyes on you. We'll be following your progress and we wish you nothing but the best. But you should have been following many of your foremothers, many of your forefathers, many of your four people, your ancestors. They should have been in this league should have mm-hmm. been in this league before you made your debut madison look at the, it like i don't need to speak to madison madison should know, madison know this is already i'm preaching to the choir for the rest of you motherfuckers how is it possible that she makes her debut after native americans are used as racist caricatures and mascots for your sports teams mm-hmm. that's deeply deeply fucking embarrassing and- do something about that it's not only how white the country is, how racist the country is and white supremacist, right? Um, also, and all of that, absolutely. Like the mascots thing, people are still discussing. I mean, um, indigenous folks get like some of the worst uh, minoritization and erasure in terms of, especially for people who literally own this land. And it's extra relevant when we're two weeks away from Indigenous Peoples Day, um, which is on Monday the, I don't, know what monday day did it? Is, i think the 12th monday is october well it should be october 12th but i do 12th. think it's a monday yes, yes yes yeah it's always on a monday and so that's coming up and so we can kind of celebrate it and at the same time lament the fact that that it took this long and that there's one right um that's always something to be thinking about yeah one as if you know again we have to speak to that as well. We don't want Madison to be a token. I need to see more um, Native American players in this league. I do. I know they're out there playing. Like they're not a well, fucking rare commodity, are they? You know what I mean? Like, come on now. Well, um, well. Also, it speaks to the you know the question of access and um, pay to play and all those things that we've discussed prior on that yep. affects youth youth football and the development of football in America in the United States specifically, um, directly. This, this is a, this is another, just another ugly manifestation of, of that system not leading to um, equitable results. And, and, and it's not for, not for reasons of talent or interest, it's mostly for access. And so, you know, the powers that be don't even know where to go to scout and develop young players, um, folks who, who should be playing in, in the league. Yeah, you know, it also speaks to like, you know, the club culture on the ownership structure, all these things that, you know, 
perpetuate imbalances in opportunities and outcomes across the entire spectrum of our society. That mm -hmm. being said, like, you know, we've, we've recently covered a bunch of American women going to Europe. Uh, yeah. One notable recent was uh, Alex Morgan, I don't think we mentioned, went to Spurs of all places. Wow. Uh, for, and for those who, do, who don't know, Spurs women are not anywhere close to the Arsenal ladies. And there was an opportunity this weekend for them to prove otherwise. And they, in the FA Cup fixture, I want to say it was a quarterfinal matchup. And uh, yeah, the Arsenal ladies destroyed. Absolutely. Destroyed. Because, you know, again, when you've got Jordan Nobbs, when you've got um, Vivian Medima, when you've got... Um, Leah Williamson. <laughs> names Daniel, on names Daniel out here, Right, come on, come on, come on, come on with these names. Like, names on names, brethren. We're talking, like, not just some of the best, but, like, the best in the game. And you find it, like, look, I Spurs supporters, I don't know, maybe you guys are just so used to mediocrity that signing somebody like Alex Morgan feels like you won something, you know? I know that trophy case is dusty as all hell, you understand? But come now, come on now, fam. <laughs> come on now. Like it's <laughs> Arsenal. It's Arsenal. Arsenal has been batting up the um the women's super league for ages now. You understand? Legends like Rachel Yankee, uh you Alex know, Scott. What, Alex um, Scott. What was that? Um uh what's her name? Um it's not Holly Smith. Um God shit. Um Beth former me. England talisman. Um like You've got um, who else has played for us? Fucking, <laughs> well, you I'm know what? Struggling. My fa my favorite, Asisat Oshwala, Nigerian, played won the FA Cup with with uh, with the Arsenal ladies. Um, she's not Barcelona. Um, I, I just striking I'm it just, up. I'm strapped. Yeah. I'm, I'm like I'm. I'm just like my mind is a jumble because there's so many things that I want to say at once. Never mind all the names that we got on names. And Spurs has Alex Morgan. And you still got blacked up 4-0. Sure. Anyway. Listen, <laughs> I, the whole narrative around that, you know, uh, um, I've had this, dis I feel safe um, saying this because I've had this discussion with a white person who agrees <laughs> and who has the same theory, which is that, like, all the love that Alex Morgan gets, shouts to Jane on this one, all the love she gets is because she's pretty and white. Because if some one else had done the shit she's done in terms of like, you know, um, going out without a mask and all that stuff and like just acting up. If someone with a darker complexion had done it, she would have lost all of her endorsement deals and she would not still be the U.S. sweetheart. So I need to mention U.S. exceptionalism here, which is really creepy no matter what, because America is a continent. So we're talking about the U.S., right? Um, especially when Indigenous People's Day is coming. Um, oh. But... Uh, you know, everyone's like, oh, my God, the U.S. and now England, you know, the, the British League is going to be good. And it's like, no, you, chill. OK, yeah. like like we're, it's it's great and everything. But like it's 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 reaching, you know, Maga Makalele levels of uh, an NRA Mar <laughs> levels of, <laughs> of U.S. exceptionalism. And I am not here for it. I'm not here for it. Yeah. And no, I, I, hope, I hope they get to face, you know, I, they, so that narrative about like, you know, the United States being having the best players is, you know, 
it's really a function of like the the way the sport is treated across the across the continents and i'm happy to see you know american players U- united states players have been playing in europe like i i think I'm, um crystal dunn might have tweeted out like yeah i played at chelsea but I, there wasn't this whole hoo-ha back when i was playing at chelsea um and you know good for these players and all that but like let's not act like uh this is groundbreaking we know what's like we know what's going on speaking of that crystal dunn crystal dunn should have been the face of the u.s women's national team um and i will i will i will stand uh a left back left winger a left winger who plays left back flawlessly she's like the prototype for bukayo saka if if um if Megan Rapinoe is Captain America, Crystal Dunn is absolutely War Machine. Let's not get that twisted. Like, it's just, she's also next in line to take over from, from, from Captain America. You know how Captain America passed on the shield to, uh, to my man there, um, the one that Anthony Mackie played in Endgame. Um, that's kind of what Crystal's in. She's, she's like, she's the engine. And she doesn't play left wing or left back. She just plays on the left-hand side. She does what she wants, basically, on that side because there's nobody getting past her and there's nobody that's going to stop her from getting past you either. Crystal Dunn is absolutely amazing. Um, Quickly getting back to the whole uh, Arsenal-Spurs thing, though. Um, Again, uh, congratulations that you signed a so-called legend in Alex Morgan. Um, Here at Arsenal, we are used to having legends come through our ranks. As I mentioned before, Kelly Smith is one of those people. Um, Rachel Yankee, as I mentioned before, is one of those people. Um, How about um, maybe you've heard of a certain legend called Karen Carney. Maybe you've heard of Alex Scott, as Arma mentioned before. Um, Danielle Carter, another one of those legends. Ellen White, must I keep going? Sure, why not? Uh, Leah Williamson, um, who's still playing and is a legend. Mm -hmm. Kim Little, again. Beth Mee, again. Bro, fam, I'm glad that you finally got a little bit of shine. But again, in typical Spurs fashion, you Spurs it up as usual. You just all pomp and no circumstance, all talk and no substance. I'm sure you've got plenty of Swiffer dusters to go ahead and dust down your empty trophy case. Here's what it is, you know. Um, I'm sure the Amazon money and the reality programming they're doing for you is keeping you warm, though. That was a little cute DVD that you put on there, by the way, about the Champions League loss. Well done. But that's really and truly it. The more of the story here, boys and girls, and NBs, is um, <laughs> Spurs, in it? Because it's Spurs, in it? Because that's what happens every single time. What happens every single time? Spurs happens. That's what happens. Dead club. Next topic. And when we come back from break, we have a uh, interview with a support our next support your local club. So join us after the break. The goddamn sauce, nine different flavors, same goddamn feeling. Share our passion for sauce and discover the full goddamn range at www.thegdsauce.com. Hashtag boss up. All right. Welcome back. Um, I'm so excited to introduce this interview. It's it's becoming a thing now. We started this um, as kind of an idea we tossed around. We were like, let's let's start to kind of amplify some of these 
some of these local clubs and it couldn't have happened more organically first with Motoric. Shouts to Motoric, shouts to the Plastics, shouts to the hottest collab of the summer. Um, and then I reached out to uh, the owner of my local club, Allentown United, um, and who it, this is a black owned club. Um, and just said, uh, do you want to do an interview? We're trying to, you know, highlight some of these local clubs and, and, and they were more than happy to, to join us. So this is an, this is a team in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Um, they are doing wonderful things for the community, for, um, for, uh, for, for, immigrants for foreigners um just diversity in general in a place that's not very diverse um and so this was this was a good one i'm i'm really excited um to introduce this interview so without further ado here it is all right so hi and welcome to our interview segment we're here with the creator of my local team, an actual local team to me, which is Allentown United. Manny, thank you so much for joining us and for doing this. Sure, anytime, um, anytime. It's a pleasure. So excited. Um, I'm repping for the team. It's like a I real, real swag. I, I was not, this is not, you know, sponsored. It was, it's, <laughs> it's my real swag. Uh, later, maybe you can tell us about the logo, the people's team. I love that tagline. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're all about it. The people's club. Yeah. I love I the love swag. It. Yeah, very nice. Repping. <laughs> um, so tell us a little about B a little bit about you. Where are you from? How long have you lived in the Valley? Um, yeah. Things like that. Yeah. Um, well, I'm originally from Ghana, West Africa, which is like a huge soccer nation. Um, you know, I love to say that we're one of the better teams in Africa when it comes to soccer, but recent well, we, times have been... We've got Nigerians on the podcast, just so you know. So. Ah, yeah. Ghana's, all the, Ghana's <laughs> a little bit better, I think, right now. <laughs> no, no, I think Nigeria is actually a little bit better right now, but Ghana Jalof is better than Nigeria Jalof. I'll just throw that out there. Okay. Um, <laughs> don't, don't know what that's about. But, uh, I take no sides. I'll try. I'll eat both. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I grew up until uh, I was seven years old in Ghana. I moved to the U.S. when I was, um, yeah, when I was seven. And I lived in Jersey. So, um, you know, just did school, um, played, played soccer in high school, played a little bit of club. Uh, for some, you know, select teams here and there. And then um, I played in high school, captain my high school team. Um, and then played in college. I played at Rutgers, uh, Rutgers Newark uh, for a year and a half or so. And, you know, it just wasn't my thing. I kind of had to transition and focus a lot more on life and just, you know, building myself as a, as a person, as a man, uh, things like that. So then did that, left Rutgers and moved to Allentown about four years ago. Uh, when I moved here, I noticed that there just wasn't that I didn't notice a scene for soccer. Like I know I could, I could in Jersey, I could have gone out and play pickup anywhere, yeah. but um, here it's, it was just a lot different. So eventually, I um, I made some friends that were really into soccer, and um, you know, I went to go play pickup with them. And I'm looking at these guys like, oh my god, these guys are really good. These guys should be playing at a higher level. Like these guys should be playing for like some like semi pro team or a professional team somewhere, you know. And so I asked them like, you know, what's going on? How come you guys aren't like, you know, aren't playing at a high level in college or anything like that? And you know, they just said there wasn't really much of an opportunity for it. like it just didn't really exist in this area. Um, and so like leading up to that though, I had like wanted to create something for the community. I wanted to get involved with, with soccer a lot more. Like I was coaching my nephew's uh, Parkland team. Um, 
but I just wanted to do a little bit more for the community than just like coach. I wanted to like give them something. Right. So, um, you know, just sitting down in my basement one day, I think I was watching a soccer documentary. It was a uh, AFC Wimbledon. It was, um, you know, they, I believe they had folded and the fans brought the club back. Yes, I, don't watch, I love watch, that story. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> and so I'm watching it and I'm just like, you know what? I, we, I can do this. Like we can do this. This could be something that can, you know, that can, um, this is a feasible thing that can be done to give an opportunity to all these young players, all these local guys who are really good to put them on the map and put the, you know, try to put their city on the map as well. Um, and so through all that, like, you know, I started doing research. Um, I, I, in my head, I, you know, I had seen the flag of Allentown and seen what the flag looks like. I saw the colors like blue and gold and, um, and had a little bit of white in there. Um, and you know, I looked at the flag and I knew like, all right, so I want these colors. I like these colors. And I feel like the colors were really Royal. Like they remind me more of like, um, they remind me some kind of like, of like royalty. It wasn't until like a week later that a buddy of mine who I was building the club with told me that the club, the city is called, is also nicknamed Queen City. Like I believe Queen City to Bethlehem or something like that. But yeah, it wasn't until then that I realized that it was Queen City. So I said, oh, perfect. Let's add a crown in there, you know. <laughs> so let's make it look very, uh, very royal and very like, very elegant. Uh-huh. And so that was like the inspiration for the, uh, for the, for the badge and built that out. Um, and that's, that's where the colors came from as well. And, you know, we, we just wanted to create something that would be beneficial to the, to the community. And I didn't want it to just be all about soccer. Um, you know, I wanted it to be a little bit more than that, but I mean, I guess that's just a little bit about the start of the club and a little, a very little about me, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we, we love, we love it all. Um, no, but I'm glad you mentioned all this. So what, what's the part of it like what sets it apart in terms of making it more for the community? Like um, yeah. what are some of the philosophies or the, or the politics behind it in terms of like pay to play, things like that? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so for sure. Um, I mean, I grew up in a system, of, you know, in Jersey um, and U.S. soccer is just a whole pay to play system. It's like, it's ridiculous. Like prices are like, you know, $5,000, $3,000 to play on an elite club to get really yeah. good and play in, the, in an elite college. You know, it's, it's, it's nuts. And and so, like, we wanted to build our model a little bit differently than that, right? We wanted to create either a, like, initially, we we're going to try to do a, um, just, like, just remove pay play altogether. Um, however, like, you know, looking at, like, our budgets and everything like that just might not have been feasible. So we created a much, much more affordable um, option. Um, like, it's, it's like pennies, like, you know, like, and the, the cost for the club just goes towards, like, you know, uh, uniforms and, and all that and travel and all that. Um, and so what we have now is just two men's teams. Uh, we have the first team that play in the United premier soccer league. And then we have an under 23 team that plays in the EDP. Um, so yeah, they, you know, everything works well there, but we're also trying to promote like community involvement, uh, within, within the club and, uh, through our players. Uh, we've done a lot of volunteer stuff with, um, Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we did a rebuild. Uh, we also did a, um, we did a couple of sessions with boys and, crew, uh, and girls called the Valentine, which is a lot of fun. This is all pre COVID. Like yeah. I wish we didn't have this whole thing cause we'd be doing a lot more. But um, even during COVID uh, we partnered with a couple of local ladies uh, in the area in Lehigh Valley uh, who set up a, um, they set up a, uh, a GoFundMe to, you know, collect funds and buy pizzas and deliver food to healthcare workers. And so, you know, we got involved in that. We really pushed it and really, you know, got it out there and 
got to try to get as much donations as possible to get it out to the uh, to the community and to the healthcare workers because they're on the, they're on the front lines of this whole this whole pandemic. Um, but yeah, I mean that's like the core values of this. Like we really wanted to we really wanted something that would stick with the community. Some people can get behind, and you know people, you know, we're, the club is built by a group of people. Me and my partner Al, a group of people who are part of the community. And we wanted the club to be for the community. So that's just what it is. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and so what about being in Allentown, which is um, for the Lehigh Valley? It's a very diverse place, right? But the Lehigh yeah. Valley overall is not. The area we're in, there's, there's some, um, you know, some, some issues of like discrimination, things like that. And I know your team is comprised of folks of color, of immigrants, things like that. So how do you kind of like handle that, you know, the yeah. equality piece or the diversity piece? Yeah, no, we are a, uh, we're a very diverse group of, group of guys. Um, I think a while back we asked people to nickname us and, you know, one of the suggestions was the internationals. And I, I love that. I love that. I ate that one up. But um, yeah, um, our guys, we're all very, um, you know, we all work well together. Uh, everyone's, you know, very respectful. We're all very respectful of each other. Um, you know, to be honest, like we don't see each other as like this or that or that or this, like we you know, we come together and just play the sport that we love as a, as a unit. Like we do things as like, as a, we're, we're more of a family than like individual, uh, individuals. And so, you know, even though we come from many different backgrounds, we, you know, we're all just like one, one unit at the end of the day. Um, you know, there's, we bring, you know, Spanish food to some, some of the games, you know, some of the guys eat African food, um, like me and my, you know, me and Mohammed, uh, Mohammed Bao will bring African food, and, you know, they'll eat African food or, you know, we'll have like Egyptian food or, you know, something like we just mix it up. Like there's just people from all different walks of life. And, you know, we don't, we really don't want to have an environment where people are, you know, kind of excluding themselves or sticking within them, you know, their own ethnic groups. Um, it, it just creates a rift in the, in the, in the club. That's not something I, I want at all. Yeah. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like the community itself is also very diverse and yeah, you're right there. You know, there's, there's hints of, you know, things like that going on, but I feel like all as a unit, as like a collective, the community is pretty, pretty together. Yeah. And I feel like even just existing as a club that is like a place for people that can feel welcome is already kind of an act of resistance, right? In terms of oh, absolutely. Like folks who don't want to see that diversity, yeah, <laughs> um, especially se setting the standard, you know, this, yeah. is, this is what it is. This is what the future looks like. And this is yeah. what, you know, what it should Definitely be. That's awesome. Um, how is it going? Like in terms of COVID, do you guys have fans? Are you like playing your games regular? Where, where do you play like physically? Like where are your games? Yeah, so, um, well, through COVID, we kind of had to stop and cease our operations for, uh, for a while. Uh, we did a lot of things on Zoom. Um, you know, we did trainings, we did video sessions, things like that. Uh, but then post-COVID, um, actually, it's not even post-COVID yet. Like, <laughs> after, after post-quarantine. During COVID. <laughs> life, life, life with COVID. No, um, <laughs> Post post quarantine, you know, we got the guys back together, and you know, whoever felt comfortable coming out to training would come out to training. We would just, you know, practice and do our thing there. Um, you know, uh, right now we are in league play. Uh, our league has gone ahead with the fall season in the UPSL uh, and actually EDP as well. But um, UPSL, yeah, we have been playing. We're about five games into our season now. Um, we we play our home games at Iron Lake Sports Club. 
Um, so this turf field over on the golf course over there. I'm sure a lot of people know where that's at. Um, yeah, we, and we are uh, having fans come out to the games. So we, we, we had a nice crowd last game. I think maybe about like 100 people, mm-hmm. give or take. It was nice. Uh, the atmosphere was there. Really pushed the players on to try to get the win, which 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 worked. So it was nice. It was good to see. It was good to see. It was just fun to see people back out watching the game again, and I love it. Yeah. And, you know, and and you know, speaking about diversity, um, like if you take a look at our fans on the sideline, you could see the diversity there as well. Like so, it's you know, I feel like the club is really bringing people together, and it just it's something fantastic. It's 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 wonderful to see. So yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so where do you, what would you like to see, like, for the future of the club? Like, where do you see it going? What would be like your, what are some goals you have for the future? Oh, man, we're going all the way to the top. All the way? (laughs) All the way to MLS now. MLS? (laughs) That's that's a long-term goal, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a long-term goal. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, for sure, long-term, you know, taking the club professional would be be ideal. you know, we, we would definitely need the right investors to back us and get us, you know, get us to where we need to go. Um, there's a lot of professional leagues out there now, um, like USL League One, uh, NISA, the new league that's out. You know, yeah. they're, they're playing games now, which is fantastic. A team in New Jersey who used to be in UPSL is actually in NISA now. So it's fantastic. Um, so that's definitely, it's definitely something that's reachable and attainable. Um, just need the right backing to get to it. Um, Short term. Uh, we're looking to build out the club a lot more. Uh, right now, we have the two teams, you know, two um, men's teams. We're looking to build down now, uh, build the U19, 7, U17, 15, so on and so forth. Build a little academy there uh, just to give, uh, you know, the youth um, more of a chance, more opportunities to showcase the talent and play at a high level at a much, much, much more affordable rate than, you know, some of the other clubs in the, in the, in the area. Um, you know, and also gives them a pipeline and a trajectory to going up to play, you know, at an elite level, you know, whether it be, you know, whether their goals are to play in college or play at the professional game, you want to like try to give them that trajectory to get to that point. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Um, yeah. We'll definitely be supporting. <laughs> um, yes. So tell us um, where uh, people can follow you, the team, socials, like are you on Twitter, Instagram? Oh man, we're on everything except for, except for TikTok. Just didn't having on TikTok yet. Your but. TikTok career hasn't taken off. I mean, come yeah, on, that's untapped territory. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's like not my, not my generation. Maybe I'm too old for TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I need to get like some younger blood to handle our TikTok. Yeah, have, but, the, uh, have the players do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But um, yeah, so we're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Um, all right. Um, our at is Allentown United. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on Facebook, yeah, it's just Allentown United. Uh, what else we have? And LinkedIn, uh, Allentown United there, and our website, uh, AllentownUnitedFC.com. We have our schedules, we have our roster list up there. We have, um, you know, any updates with the club, it's all up there. So you can follow us. Our Instagram is booming, so check that out first. <laughs> you know, drop a like on some of our pictures. Um, you know, shout us out, whatever. So we're out there. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. Um, I can't wait for everyone to to hear all about us, our team. Yes. yes, (laughs) And and we'll see you out at a game eventually. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Hope to see you guys soon. Thank you. Yeah, bye. All right. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that interview.
Um, as you can tell, Frank, I had a really good time having that conversation. And since we're talking uh, small, smaller local clubs, let's talk about racism and the USL. The USL championship this past week, um, we had a little, a little bit of a scandal where uh, the LA Galaxy 2 played uh, the LA, the Galaxy, during an LA Galaxy 2 match. Um, a, a player for the Galaxy actually used a racial slur on the field towards a black player for San Diego. And it was pretty, it was pretty ugly because, you know, um, we've, as we talked about on the show a few times, what matters in the, what happens in the moment matters a lot. And in the moment, nothing happened. There was no discipline on the field. You know, the guy wasn't sent off there. You know what I mean? The match wasn't stopped um, at that point. There was no walk off. And so after the fact, we got kind of a, I thought, milk toast response from the Galaxy 2 organization. And then they, quote unquote, parted ways with this player. Um, so you can say there was some justice served, but like, it's really, really annoying that we have to address racism in soccer, racism in football, week after week after week. It's it's almost like it's so embedded in society and culture that we cannot root it out. We cannot provide enough of a deterrent for people to just stop doing racist things um, because we know that some people will not stop being racist. And just to add to that, like, I, you know, um, I touched on it you know, when we opened this episode, like racism is like so ingrained in the beautiful game. There is no way to like, and particularly in the lower leagues where you think, oh, well, it's just, you know, they're playing because of the passion and the passion comes out. Well, there's, there, there is no room, there, there is no room for fucking passion and racism in, in the same sentence, let alone on, you know, play, playing a game that you apparently love. There's no yeah. room for it. And it doesn't matter if you are using the racial slur in your native tongue or in English. I don't give a fuck. People who are not black should not be using the N-word, period. That's, how, that's just how I feel. People can feel how they want, but that's how I feel. So No, and I mean, and that's a very low bar that people should just follow. I mean, people try to talk around it so much. I just can't, I mean, I, I keep saying I can't believe. I can believe. I guess I, I wish I we could stop this, that we keep having to talk about this week after week after week after week after week. And there's never a satisfactory response. And there's never a satisfactory consequence and like it's it's exhausting yeah i mean and, and I, for one the one thing i will say kind of in the response was like okay so like the usl did suspend the player right um they did i felt like um there was so after the fact so my, my biggest problem was in the moment like it happened in the first place and in the moment there was not the mechanism to address it without throwing hands, <laughs> right? 
Like you, we really have to get to that point. Um, but player was suspended uh, by the league, and I don't think there was a dispute of the event, which is not a thing. But like, we need. I feel the, the bar, the punishment, like it, the deterrent needs to be much harsher in order to prevent this from happening again and again and again. Um, especially because it's, it's football, right? This is not your freedom. This is not your life. This is your job. My main concern, though, is that um, from an administrative level, if you must, it, to, to all the people who always say it's just like, well, take race out of it so you can make a sensible decision. Well, the fact that we are dealing with the bigotry means that we have to make systemic decisions because racism is a systemic problem. If that means that's your ass, that's your job, that's your livelihood or whatever, then we'll take that. Maybe you'll think twice about it the next time you want to come and dehumanize somebody. So when the person who shall remain nameless while we're talking about this decided to go ahead and racially abuse Elijah Martin, it should not have been on the San Diego Loyal to turn around and do anything about forfeiting matches, trying to give up points, oh, yeah. things that should not have been on them to do that. The LA Galaxy should have stepped forward and handled it from the off. Instead, yeah. they played mealy mouth little bitch. Well, I mean, when you're associated with a man like Alexi Lalas, of course you're going to be a mealy mouth little bitch, aren't you? But at the end of the day, it's just like what we are dealing with here is a wanton administrative failure. First of all, None of your players moved to the player that you mutually terminated the contract of. You didn't what even sack him. What is you that? didn't even sack him. Like, how spineless are you people? Then on top of that, you want to not just put out a statement. You want to put out a graphic saying that you were parted ways by mutual consent. And then you want to go ahead and turn around to an LA Times football writer to release your statement. Like, you couldn't even get your big, big spokesperson out here on camera for two seconds? That tells me two things. One, you're deeply, deeply embarrassed about the way that as about everything involved with it, including your own behavior. And second of all, you're goddamn cowards. All of you are fucking cowards. Every single one of you. I will get on the first thing smoking to LA. It will be my first time in Los Angeles. I will pull up to your yard and I will call each and every single one of you what you are. You are Cowards. Cowards. You should have been turned around to the USL and forfeited the match. That's what you should have done. As some kind of solidarity to the San Diego Royal. Loyal. Excuse me. Uh, I've got um, Ziara King on the brain because, you know, <laughs> she's the supreme. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just like, at the end of the day, right, just getting back to this, I just want people to realize that this is absolutely from an administrative professional level. This is not how you handle incidents like these. You have to come in swift, you have to come in hard, you have to come in zero tolerance, and you have to make it known to the world that your organization does not tolerate any of these things. And the firmer you send that message, the better. Because the only thing racists understand is violence, because that's all racists do is peddle in violence. So make it hurt. Make it sting. Make them cry. Make them complain and bitch and moan and go on GoFundMe and have all the Trump supporters send them a little bit of money. Make them do that. Make it hurt. Make them scared. That's what you should be doing because they have to know that no matter where they go, no matter who they work with, if they pull that shit again, it's going to be even worse next time.
the only thing that racist people understand is violence. So if you, and I'm not equating any administrative efforts with violence when you're countering it, but as Angela Davis once said, it is not enough to be non-racist in a racist society. You must be what? Anti-racist. And that means you've got to move to these fuckers. Hard. No quarter given. No punches pulled. So LA Galaxy, fuck you. Uh, fuck, fuck every single one of the members of your family. Uh, fuck, um, you know, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, uh, fuck your partner, fuck your side piece. Um, fuck the hole that you slid out of. You are worthless. You are dead to me. Do fucking better. The end. That was a whole lot of fucking. And, uh, we're going to transition into how many licks does it take to get to the center of entanglement? Entanglement. How many licks does it take to get to the center of entanglement? Entanglement. Oh, my goodness. It takes precisely oh 42 goodness. licks to get it to the center of entanglement. It is just every week it gets better. I will never. I, I just every week. I can't. I can't with us. So, hi, everyone. We're back. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> Listen, the feedback we get for entanglement is so good. It's shouts outrageous. to all our shouts to all our all our fans and all our followers that like we just we we got to do it. We got to give the people what they want. We do have to give the people what they want. Um, and once again, I am your boy Joseph, alongside the Supreme <laughs> Franca. Don't know what it is. Shout out to man like AJ. You already don't know. You understand? <laughs> I, we don't even need to go into details on Wax Fam. You already know what I'm talking Just... about right now. I know you're listening to this right now. <laughs> the Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> I love you too, darling. Um, so, so, I mean, we do this, we do this, we do this thing every week. We do this every week. And, every and week. we get feedback on it, too, that's positive. So we'll keep going. I mean, like, we both enjoy the compliments. So that's what we're here for. Positivity. After, you know, living in such a negative world, mm. racist, racist, mm. racist, we can mm. just bring a little bit of fun and uh, and 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 laughter and nakedness this week. And, we are well. getting spicy. <laughs> well. I don't know if you guys know that Martin El Pelado Cáceres <laughs> loves to be naked. It does. He loves to be naked. <laughs> Joseph and I have seen full frontal schlong just swanging. If you haven't seen this picture, hit us up. If you, we can't tweet it. Yeah, um, this is it, not suitable for anything. Not, not work, not church. <laughs> Babe's not your family uh, cookout. Mm, nothing. You understand? This, was, we, uh, this is uh, for the DMs only. Listen, but slide right in because we'll send it to you. Um, this was in 2014, I think, one of the Cups Uruguay won. Everyone in the locker room is fully clothed. It's winter. They're wearing tracksuits. And Caceres is there full, schlong in the wind, naked, just texting in the background. I, I that, that was a quote-unquote leak, okay, 2014. Fa this happened also in Juventus. Um, when he was playing for Juventus, he had a slip up. He loves to, he loves to show his thing. You know what? If you got it, flaunt it. I, I mean, as an exhibitionist who loves to be naked, why not? Right. I mean, I mean, he's, 
clearly the resident exhibitionist of football, isn't he? And I think that's something that I did not know about him because right. as, um, as you, as you mentioned just this morning, shout out to your brother. Um, yes. Shouts to uh, our very loyal listener who, who sends us material quite often. Quite Matthias. often. Yes. Um, Matthias, thank you so much. Um, now, <laughs> he absolutely, whew, he absolutely was, he absolutely was, living his best Allen Iverson life because them shorts, baby. Wow. I don't like. Listen, if he was wearing shorts, this was, again, just to give some context, okay? 2020, (laughs) this is this past weekend. Fiorentina, his current team, is playing Inter, okay? Of my Mm -hmm. bay, uh, Lukaku. And Mm -hmm. he comes out in what looks like just a track jacket and socks. There are no shorts there. You're not going to tell me there are shorts there because I swear to God, baby, there are no shorts on that man he drew a penalty and everything wearing no shorts on the pitch he really and that just did. happened saturday the keeper the keeper's face was nothing but anguish because i know that he was looking deep into my man's bus and i just look it look it is what it is out here fam like it is what it is martin i respect the levels bro i really do like you know sometimes you just have to show these man you just need to get over the fact that i am naked that my bits are out here. Stop sexualizing me. My it. eyes are up here. Get over it. Like my bits are out here. If you keep focusing on my bits, you're not going to stop these goals that I'm scoring, are you? So perhaps focus, focus. Yeah. Like, and we live in a very objectified, sexualized world. Everything is sex. Yeah, everything is sex. Shit, this segment is sex. But like yeah. at the end of the day, it's context, isn't it? It's, and, and, and I don't know about you, Franco, but I just feel like, Anybody who's complaining about what he's doing here is missing the point. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Which is that the man is beautiful. He is. I got to give it to him. Like, man's body looks great. You understand? The ponytail is definitely working. It was better yeah. than, the, um, than the fade. A lot better than the fade. Um, quick shout out to a man like Diego Forlan. This picture is an <laughs> absolute, absolutely, what, it's giving me so much life. Your face is saying, I love what we've done today, but your eyes are saying, this motherfucker is naked behind me again, isn't he? He's naked again. He's because naked. they He's- know everyone else is in tracksuits. It is winter. <laughs> it is winter, and my man is out there full-fledged, full-frontal, penis out. Just, just texting out. casually, casually he's texting. Not, he's not texting. He's taking pictures. He's, he's taking, taking dick pics for sure. He's taking for dick sure. pics for sure because he's probably on his way to do what? Slide into your girl's An DMs. Slide into your man's DMs. I don't know his sexuality. My man could be pansexual for all I know. But at the end of the day, like, um, yeah, he can get away with it. Why? The man's sexy. I'll give he's him sexy. that. I mm-hmm. will give him that. But let me tell you what's not sexy. No. Oh, my goodness. This is such a sore subject for me right now, as you know. Mm. Go on. Mm. Tell us. Mm. So the, um, the timeline was uh, definitely on its job today because they found one of the worst TikToks that I've ever seen in my entire life. Literally. I, literally, I called for all of TikTok to be shut down after I saw it. It's pretty shut down the whole shit. This is before we get to the meat of what's going on in here. But um, like, no pun intended, because obviously we're talking about man. But at the end of the day, like, you know, it's just what we need to discuss thoroughly is the fact that this video was objectively bad. It was poorly edited. 
Um, I don't know if there was a makeup That's artist involved, terrible. but um, you know, we'll get to that in a minute. And the subject matter was basically um, a woman who I can only describe as Kaylee United. It has decided <laughs> that um, they were going to go ahead and do a video talking about the most overrated Premier League footballers. And coincidentally, all of them were black men. And uh, coincidentally, coincidentally, um, coincidentally, um, you know, we managed to skip over so many of the most overrated people. We literally just talked about Kepa last week. Harry Kane was right there. Harry Kane was right there. Before we continue, I want to, this is unprecedented times. We've never done, this is literally, I mean, you guys should be really honored. Okay. What I'm about to do is historically just so important. I'd like to open the floor because this is that important to any one of our co-hosts to jump into their first entanglement segment to talk about this bitch. Um, who because I got to yeah. talk about this one right here. Mm-hmm. Listen, Man. listen, white women listening to this. Um, you Come have work to do. Come get your cousin. Come and pick up your cousin. Your cousin is wilding. Okay, Kaylee United is out uh, here. Like, let, let me just go ahead and give you like a brief backstory in this video. She goes through them, and I will tell you each of the men that she's mentioned that she, sorry, that, that her she dad said got her to say on camera. Or her Nazi boyfriend. Or that her is Nazi the most, boyfriend. The, overrate, the five most overrated players in Prem, who just happened to have one, one thing in common. Just one. Just one. Just one, one just thing. One, just one. Nothing I'm else. Sure they didn't think of it. It was, it was coincidental. Yeah. It's quite interesting how that works out. But um, basically, the five players that she mentioned, uh, sorry, the five players that her dad got her to mention, excuse me, the, the five players that her uh, <laughs> Nazi boyfriend got her to mention, excuse me, the five players yeah. that the incels that masturbate over her furiously wanted her to mention were um, man like Wilfred Zaha, Deli mm-hmm. Ali. Mm-hmm. Adama the Traore. Adama fucking try. You've got like that's where I lost it. That I saw red at that point. Trent Alexander Arnold. Man. And then and then as if it could be any more predictable, kind of like your Scorch Earth Roots love. If you could be any more predictable, Paul Pogba was the top of this list. A world cup Dude, no. winner, bro. Literally. Come get your girl. Now, come yeah, like, and so, so on the Paul Pogba thing. First of all, Graham Sunis, you need to get your granddaughter because <laughs> you need you need to get your granddaughter. Number one, number two, um, uh, as was just mentioned, Paul Pogba literally carried France to their third star on their jersey. World Cup, but yeah, literally, literally, clear, literally carried his country on his back. So for her to go out of her way, you know, she mentioned Wilfred Zaha, a player who without, if he wasn't starting for Crystal Palace, they would probably be in League Two right now. Not to mention Adama Traore? Adama Traore? Bitch, have you watched a, a second of Premier League in your life? Seriously, do you even watch football, bro? Did you not see how he literally 
literally bulldoze Man City last season. What are you watching, love? Like, seriously. Like, and we do not on? gatekeep. We do not gatekeep. This is not we about that. Don't. But this, is, this was a very carefully curated and selected list. And that is, I mean, I, like, un, uh, objectively, okay, there's no earth on which this list has to have, it, it goes together for, for that name of, overrated players i mean this was an attack this was a direct attack we joke around a lot but this was literally a hate crime right um it was actual racism and like it was there she is in her uh, and i also we all all of us we don't body shame we don't do any of that but this bitch ugly she's got some ugly ass horse teeth Really does. Um, I mean, so, she she clearly ordered those veneers from like AliExpress or Forever Twenty One or whatever. What are you doing? What yeah, baby, is you doing? I'm sorry. You talk about overrated, but your alleged makeup artist has your lashes looking like tarantula legs, sweetie. Just I disgusting. don't understand. Make disgusting. that make sense. Your roots, your highlights look like paint thinner. Like, make that make sense, babes. Make that and make sense. And we will also not be uh, giving this bitch any clout, so we're not retweeting it, but also slide into our DMs if you want to see it, because um, it's it's if you want to get angry. I got so angry uh, that I got banned from Twitter and just uh, on a personal note, okay, I've been harassed by white supremacists. Twitter didn't do a goddamn thing. I mentioned wanting to punch this racist in the face. I said wanting to. I didn't say I was going to. I said Pressing I wanted desire to. Desire does not immediately translate to actually threatening anybody. And for I anybody am currently that. in Twitter jail for 12 hours. Make it make sense. Make it make sense. This is I can, the wrong type of entanglement. I can definitely, definitely definitely make that make sense and i'll tell you how it makes sense is because jack dorsey loves him some conservatives that's why it's the reason why so anybody who's conservative leaning he's very much sensitive about it i'm sure you know biz if he's still there at twitter and all that sort of stuff probably was like oh no not my kaylee not my kaylee united how not dare my you? kaylee united Ugh. fuck off it is you. just seriously fuck you Fuck your Nazi boyfriend who's on the side telling you what to right. say. Absolutely. Um, and the only time whom the only time, uh, unlike Paul Pogba, the only time you've carried the country on your back is when you're having a bukkake session at one of your clans meetings. So I don't want to hear no, it. Seriously, like don't we don't hear need it. this bitch in our sphere. Get out of the football world. You don't belong here. You're not welcome you here. You know you nothing. Your Nazi daddy boyfriend telling you what to do off camera knows nothing. And you don't even go here. Um, you can go fuck yourself. Yeah, please. Never you again. You cannot again. sit with us. You do, you do not go here. You cannot sit with us. Like, please delete yourself. Thank you. And if anybody has a problem with the way that we address racists, let me just say that you too can find the rustiest tire iron that you can find and fuck yourself silly. Because again, racism is violence and we will respond to it however the fuck we please. You understand? Preach. <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, we're at the end, folks. <laughs> Thank you for <laughs> listening to another episode of the Banter Pub FC. And if you're in any doubt, we are the sauciest team in the game. And you just heard the spiciest takes on the pitch. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the banter pub FC. And if you'd like 
If you like what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and review us on your favorite platforms, including Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. For Neil, Franca, Joseph, and myself, we'll see you next time at the pub.